So we're in a three-week series uh, titled Generous Church. And if you are here last week, I looked at uh, the sense that God is a generous God and uh, He wants His children to live like He does. And we, we looked at this whole aspect that God is generous in, create, in, in, in creation. He's generous in His creativity and He creates ways that we can be generous. He can be generous and uh, we like Him need to be very, very similar. Uh, my key point out of that whole message, uh, just for those who are here for the first time, not, listen, not didn't hear last week, my key point about that was that God was so generous that he gave Jesus to die upon a cross. And as we heard so uh, eloquently put in communion this morning, uh, that he did so to pay the price that we could not pay, that his death paid uh, that which was the punishment set for us. And there's no greater love than this, than a man would lay down his life for another. And Jesus did it for all the creation. We'll see if we're on today, eh? Now, there we go. I'm on. You remember last week I, uh, I said this, um, the, the, that generosity is a mindset toward empowering others. There was this whole sense that God has empowered us so that we can be empowering to others. God has empowered us so that we, or blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. And uh, generosity is that kind of thing. We can actually then look at the next quote, which was the clearest mark of God's grace on your life is a generous spirit toward others. When we start being challenged around generosity, when we start being challenged by the Spirit of God in this complete area, what actually happens is the more generous we are, the more grace we tend to receive. And uh, it's just one of those things. And, and this morning I heard a testimony. Actually, I was waiting for the testimony all week uh, because I received a message in my inbox of Facebook and uh, someone was just so overjoyous that God had done something and broken something in their lives last week that they just wanted to, to find opportunity to be generous over and above. And, and I spoke with that person this morning and just, um, just a real brief testimony. Uh, that person just was so overjoyed uh, because you know, they've known God for a long time. They've known Jesus for a long time. And there's this sense of um, there was something in their life that one of their daughters was, or probably both of their daughters was having problems. And, and the, the, the relationship with the daughter and father was estranged. And there was problems there. And last week, as the message was being uh, shared about Luke's gospel and the prodigal son and the generosity of the father and all of this sort of stuff, um, this person just made a prayer and just said, God, um, I want to be generous like this. And, and if I'm generous like this, then I know you will overflow. And as they, uh, as they looked to sow generously, uh, there was a breakthrough, a shift in their spiritual thinking. And as they prayed, they're just like, God, I want you to fix this relationship between my daughter and my husband. And uh, she comes and tells me this morning that the very next day, her daughter had sent a message to, to the family just saying that she'd forgiven her father and that she um, was sorry for whatever and, and continue. And I just really, really am thankful. Like I said, uh, the clearest mark of God's grace in your life is a generous spirit toward others. When we start being generous, it just really is opening the door for many blessings in our lives. And sometimes, just with that little testimony, sometimes there could be a reason, something that's just blocking your prayers from actually being answered. And it could be the very simple shift of just saying, God, um, I'm going to be generous with something that you've given me, whether it be my time, my treasure, or my talent, and I'm going to just sow. And in doing so, Lord God, I, I thank you that there's going to be a breakthrough in this area. 
Isn't that a great testimony? You know, that God just opens doors in many, many ways. Um, so we're looking at this next sense of um, week two. If God is a triune God, that means that he's three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Last week, we, we looked at this sense that God um, challenges our minds, our mindsets and those sorts of things. Well, uh, when we look at the triune God, Jesus being the Son of God, we need to look at the sense that Jesus was God in the flesh, that, that Jesus was like the, the manifest presence of God in bodily form. So, so we're looking at this whole aspect of, the flesh, the body, being generous in the, um, in the body that we are in and the body that we are a part of. And Christ uh, is the greatest example of that. It's so it, in a sense, where we're going today is looking at being, being generous in a practical way. Not just thinking generous, not just having a mindset towards blessing others, but actually outworking the generous spirit through the flesh. Because sometimes it's this outer tent that actually stops us from outworking and outliving the generous spirit. Because we might think um, that we want to be generous and we hear God and we know we need to be generous, but we just stop because it might be too inconvenient or it might be really hard. So we're looking at this whole sense that to be generous like Jesus, to be generous like the Son, um, means we need to actually be, encounter God's generosity toward us. And I, and I like this passage of Scripture, John chapter 12. There's a whole sermon in this passage itself, or probably 10 if you really want it to be. But John chapter 12 says, And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So like I said, there's, there's, there's a number of sermons actually in this passage of Scripture. And without getting sidetracked, the real point that I want to highlight from this today is that to produce much, we actually must give much. There's actually seed, there's something in the seed of giving, the faith of giving the seed that causes an overflow to come. So if the clearest mark of God's grace on your life is a generous spirit towards others, then in actually sowing something, then we can expect to reap something of a return, sometimes 10, sometimes 30, sometimes 100 fold. So this whole question comes up, what are we sowing? Where are we sowing? How are we sowing? The next scripture says, uh, if we're looking at God's generosity toward us, Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows His love for, the, for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So in this picture, Jesus was the seed. Jesus could have remained alone forever being the only person to walk this earth free from sin. We know that. That's the truth. But he chose to sow himself into the sacrifice of the cross. 
so that in doing so he may reap a harvest that is bountiful and plentiful toward God and the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus demonstrates his love in the most ultimate way by giving himself. It was his decision to say yes. Jesus actually demonstrated that it was more blessed to give than to receive. And when we think about that, you know, we could quote that all the time. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know, I find it really easy to say that at Christmas time or at birthday time when, when it feels like you didn't get the gift that you wanted. Ah, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know, but that's a cop out, isn't it? It's actually just covering up your emotions and saying, well, I didn't get what I wanted, so I might as well try and live holy in that state and cover up my true emotions. But the spirit of generosity actually challenges us to the core of this and says, hey, you know what? It actually is more blessed to give than to receive. And uh, I want to I just look, we want to look really quickly at three things that Jesus um, gave. Because around this whole sense of giving, I want us to, to draw from the very fact that in Jesus' giving, there was more than just giving something that cost him. It was actually sacrificial giving. Because Jesus just didn't give out of the abundance that he had. He actually gave all of his abundance away so that he can give everything that he had. Because God couldn't die for you unless he gave all of that away and came in the flesh. Could he? How can you kill God? Who's ever been asked that question by an inquirer? How can you kill God? Well, there's your answer. He gave it away. He left it behind in glory. And he came in the flesh so that he could give only the only thing that he had, which was the flesh, the body that he had. A body that was dependent upon God. A body that was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. He says to his disciples, uh, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't even have a house to give. He wandered the earth. He wandered around Israel and Samaria. He had nothing to give but that with which he inhabited his flesh. So I want to look at this sense of being generous um, like Jesus, which is actually sacrificially. So first point is that Jesus was sacrificial with his time. I don't know, we've heard of time, talent and treasure before, and they're my three points. But have we actually looked at this point in saying that Jesus was sacrificial in it? He was, he was over the top sacrificial with his time. How can I say that? Well, he, do, he, he designated three years to walking with these disciples. 100% of the time. The odd occasion, he slipped away and he, he went and prayed on his own. But apart from that, he lived with these guys and, and the, those following him and the girls that were following him that had, he'd set free. He lived with these people. Um, they depended on one another. They were in community but he was sacrificial with his time. Matthew and Mark's gospel look at this whole point of Jesus calling Peter um, and James and John and 
the, the four fishermen, the whole calling them into following him as his disciples. I think sometimes we get the story a little bit mixed up, though. Sometimes we miss some key points, and Luke's gospel actually brings out some of these key points if we read them in order. Jesus calling to Peter was more generous than you could think because Jesus kept going back to Peter and giving him the invitation. He didn't just call Peter once like Matthew and Mark portray it. He actually issues this call a number of times. Luke chapter 5, if you want to turn there. See if I can find it. In verse 38, it says, Now he arose from the synagogue, talking about Jesus, and entered Simon's house. Simon is Peter, okay? So, so we're not getting confused. Simon is Peter. He enters Simon's house, but Simon's wife's mother was sick. So uh, we'll put that into today's language. Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. This happened after the first call that we see in Matthew and Mark's gospel. Peter was not following Jesus at this time. It goes through, and it says, Many healed after the Sabbath sunset. And in verse 42, Jesus preaches in Galilee. And in verse, uh, chapter 5, it says, sorry, that first one was 438. Chapter 5 in verse 1, it says, So it was, sorry about the confusion there. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and was washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Simon had received a call to follow him. Simon then goes back to fishing. Where does that story sound familiar? Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. Simon's still fishing. And then Jesus turns up and starts to teach the crowd and jumps in Simon's boat and says, push out a little way. The story goes, as we know, that he tells him to drop down his nets. And Simon questions him and says in verse 5, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So he had a little bit of doubt in his life. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Verse 8, this is the key I want you to hear. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Jesus said to them all, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they brought in their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Think about that. 
Why would Jesus, why would Peter fall down at his knees and say, depart from me for I am a sinful man? And we think it's because of the lack of unbelief. I think it's actually the lack of his deciding to follow and not following in the initial call. I think Jesus went back to Peter because he saw something on his life that he wanted to pull out and call out and be generous to in sowing time and so that he would enter into his calling. Peter was very key to the disciples. And Jesus showed his time in going back to him. Another example of Jesus sowing time, an extravagant sacrificial example is the woman at the well. And we won't go there, but Jesus walking through Samaria to go to this particular well to meet this woman in the middle of the day who should not have been there but was because she was ashamed and hiding. And he says, give me a drink. This whole story around uh, Jesus sharing with this woman and setting her free of the judgment that she was going through and the condemnation she was feeling. He sets her free. That was a a sowing of sacrificial, generous time. People think it's because he wanted to take a shortcut. But it was actually detestable for a rabbi to walk through Samaria. They generally walked around. So that was far greater a sacrifice of Jesus' time than we could ever think it was to actually go to this place, being responsible to the Word of God to meet this person. Where have you sacrificed time to demonstrate generosity? That is the question around this first point. Where have you sacrificed the time to look into and to sow into and to give generously with your time? This week, there was a number of guys from the church, about four or five, and one of the residents from um, Barnabas' house responded to the call to go and help move a lady who was connected to the church, who had no car, who had no means of transport, but to help shift her from one side of Griffith all the way to the other side of Griffith. Now that costs these people some time, about three and a half hours. But the joy on this woman's face she hugged me and hugged Pastor James um, when we'd finished. The joy on her face, she was almost in tears because she just had no idea how she was going to move that stuff. That is being generous with your time. How are you being generous with your time? What about the volunteers that are here at Life Source, day in, day out, week in, week out, Sunday after Sunday, just serving God with their time that God has so blessed them with. Each opportunity we get to serve God is an opportunity to say yes to the generous spirit and to be sacrificial like Jesus. My second point, I think I've got a scripture there. We'll go through those really quickly because I, I forgot. For some reason, we're not working again. Oh, we'll go back to Jesus was sacrificial with his talents. This is our second point. Jesus was so sacrificial with his talents. Okay, what was his talents? Teaching, preaching, healing, performing miracles, mentoring. Jesus focused on the very things that he was good at, the very things he was called to do. 
I don't, don't see any stories of recording of him building a wall or going to war. So he was generous with his talents, that which he was called to do. So going back to the first point, if you're sacrificial with your time, then being sacrificial with your talents needs to work hand in hand with that. It's all right for me. I can lift heavy things. All right? Some of you guys, you can lift heavy things so you can be sacrificial with your time moving someone. Some of you can't. and You've got to do other things that are, that are actually talents that God has blessed you with. Luke 4, 18 to 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus knew straight away what His calling was. That was the scroll that He read. Jesus knew that was what he was called to do, and he did it. What are you good at? What are you able to do that others can't? Maybe you're able to write a small group study. Maybe you like to research and get facts and figures, and you could use those to help other people who doesn't have the time to do that or the desire. Maybe you like to cook. Maybe you like to clean. Maybe you value others by spending time with them and listening to them over a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. There's so many talents. Maybe you have music ability, art ability, craft ability, all sorts of things that you, you can do. But what are you good at? And are you serving the Lord by giving over of your talents sacrificially to Him? Did Jesus live sacrificially in his teachings? Yes. He went for days without eating. He went, for, he went for days probably even without sleeping at times because there was just so many people. You see story after story of the disciples just saying, Lord, send them home to get something to eat. Send them home that we may rest. We're exhausted. You can almost read that into what they're saying. Pastor Rodney said, I think somewhere last week, maybe to the leaders of the church, God places the people in the body. In doing so, he sets the gifts and the talents in place. Maybe the church needs your talent. And maybe you are sitting back and waiting to be asked. Yet if you allow a spirit of generosity to rise up in you, if you just simply offer sacrificially to God that which you're good at, your gifts, your talents, if you just bring them to the table and say, God, how can I be of service? That's a spirit of generosity. Don't just sit back and wait for people to invite you to serve. Look at your talent and say, I've got something that I can give. Go and talk to one of the pastors. Go and talk to even Felix and Anne over at Barnabas House. Go and talk to um, many, many volunteer agencies around town that could just use your time or your gifts and, just, and your talents and just say, you know, I've got something here. Because in doing so, if you just do that sacrificially, you will find the biggest blessing you've ever found in your life. Because you find the thing that motivates you 
and you tap into what God's saying to you and you're then able to shine in how God created you. Because that's what it is when you sacrifice yourself on those things. And let me say, that sometimes is hard to do if you're balancing work and balancing kids and you're balancing you know, relationships and family and, and all sorts of things. It feels like you don't have time, but there's, a what is it, 168 hours in a week or something? Is that sound about right? If you sleep for 40 hours and you work for 40 hours, you've still got a fair few hours up your sleeve to do something. Yeah, I think what happens, and this is my problem, I get home and I like flop in front of, in front of the TV because I've had enough and I'm like, Ugh. and I'm just surfing through channels just seeing what's on and I'm so bored with television that I just couldn't be bothered. I think we're all a little bit like that. We get home and we're so tired from work and we're so tired doing things. What, what we could do, if you're a married person, for example, you could go home from your work and you could look at your spouse, your husband or your wife and say, you know, I've been busy all day, but so have you. How can I serve you? How can I sacrificially help you? And in doing so, you're serving them and being generous with your talents as much as you are your time. Does that make sense? They give you like a practical example of how you can be generous even in your own home. It is a willingness to live generous that will see you grow. It is a sacrifice that is pleasing to God when we do so. Isaiah 58, in just closing this point, it says in verse 6, it is, not, uh, is not this the fast that I choose? to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you in the glory of of the Lord shall be your guard. I went too far, sorry. Isaiah 58, 6 to 8. If you let that get into your heart, if you start to ponder on those things, and even the video adds into that, you will start to see opportunity to be generous. Sacrificial with your talents in Acts 20, 35, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Where are you serving? Where are you putting yourself, your talents to work so that God would receive glory? And the third point in moving on is Jesus was sacrificial in his treasure. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says, For you how, uh, sorry, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that by His poverty you may become rich. I've heard this shared in a prosperity gospel way. Um, I've heard it shared that people have grabbed it and named it and claimed it and all sorts of faith things to see financial breakthrough in their life but they miss the principle of acting as Jesus acted. They miss the very principle that Jesus was sacrificial in his time, his talent, and his treasure. He gave. 
Jesus left behind, I said this earlier, the splendor of heaven where he needed nothing because he valued the prize more. You are his prize. You are his prize. And everyone outside of this this house, everyone who's walking those streets, who in whatever way of poverty that we could say, living whatever life of sin that they are, they too are Jesus' prize. And if you would value them as his prize, then it would motivate us sacrificially in our giving, in our giving of our treasure, because we start to see the treasure of Jesus. When we look to the hobo or the person living on the street, when we look to that person and we don't see the, the rags on them and the, we don't smell what's, what they smell like, but we see Jesus in them, it's easy then to say, come with me, brother. I'll buy you a cup of coffee and I'll buy you something to eat. Because we see Jesus and we see that they are a prized possession of Jesus as well. Whilst on earth, Jesus could have used his power to build his own kingdom for himself. But he resisted the temptation of the devil. Just bow down to me. It's okay. All you have to do, Jesus, is worship me and I will give you all of the kingdoms of earth. Hear the subtle temptation. You can miss the cross, Jesus, if you just honor me. Sometimes we got that little seed in our minds as we're thinking about serving the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's just that little seed of thought. But what we actually have to do is be sacrificial like Jesus was. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. If Jesus was sacrificial in time, talent, and treasure, and we've already discussed what it is to be sacrificial with time and talent, there is a motivator in this that we can be sacrificial in the treasure that we have. Jesus treasured you above all. Do we treasure Jesus above all we have? I want to read the whole portion of that scripture to us. It says, verse 1, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this age of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in love, uh, in our love for you, 
See that you excel in this act of grace also. Say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. I want to back up just there for a little bit. Verse 7, But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel also in this act of grace. You might excel in faith. You might be the best worship leader that you have ever known. You might excel in giving time. And you might excel in being the best worker that your boss has ever seen. You might excel in being the best preacher that is on the world. But if you do not excel in the act of giving, then you do not excel in the fullness that God has. Why was Paul writing this? See to it that you would excel in this act of grace also. Because these guys in their poverty gave beyond their means because they saw that it was a greater blessing than it was to hold on to those little things that they had. The joy that they had in blessing the other, the poverty-stricken of the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. The joy that they had in giving out of, it was excelled to them a grace. That word, grace, God's favour toward. In their giving, the chapter is, the passage is actually sharing that there is a grace that is poured out into them. In their giving, God is giving graciously back to them. So you might hear this for the first time. You might be hearing it now for um, the 10th time or hearing it in a different way. Whatever way you're hearing it, I want you to hear that if Jesus is the example, if it's Jesus that we're living to aspire to, then it's in the giving of our, sacrificially of our time, our talent and our treasure that molds us into being more like Him. How can we be the hands and the feet of Jesus and the mouthpiece to the world if we are stingy and miserly in our spirits? We need to break off the shackles in our lives and allow generosity to rise up, to motivate us and move us beyond our own understanding. If we can't do that, then take Jesus' advice on board. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's giving. Kind of confuse yourself in a little bit. Take your money out of your wallet with your, five, with your right hand, give it to your left hand and stick it in, the, in whatever you're doing. You might, see, um, you might see the Salvation Army guy just on a Thursday night going down the street and he goes to the pub and even Saturday or Friday night. You might just see him as you're walking to dinner or something. You know, Pull out some money in your pocket and stick it in there you know, and say, God, let that be a blessing to those people. But don't just give up on your money. Actually go then and look for someone that you can share with as well. Because it's not just about money. And you heard me say that last week. We need to be sacrificial in all that we do. I want to invite the music team to come so we can conclude this morning. All of this is above the tithe. Get rid of this so it's not distracting us. 
All of this is above the tithe. It's more than the 10%, like I said last week. Giving is so much more than money. Giving is laying down sacrificially like Jesus did. Sometimes it means that we don't have to buy that DVD that we wanted this week. But we do live in a place of abundance, do we not? I like that video, which pair of shoes? Were you wearing the right pair of shoes today to church? Some people only have one and it was two plastic water bottles made into a pair of thongs. Like we have an abundance in our lives. Jesus said it is more blessed to give and receive. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. and We're going to look at Jesus at the center of it all, yeah? We're going to sing Jesus at the center. And when I come back, I'm going to have an invitation for you to come for prayer so that God can challenge you in this.